So right now we're going to watch Jack Deere, and then Van's going to come up and give our message. The essence of prophetic ministry is friendship with God. And this is true all the way. It's, it's actually the essence of life. Uh, you see David say it in the, in the Psalms. In, in Psalm 25, 14, David says, The Lord will tell secrets. He will confide in those who love him. The essence of ministry, of all ministry, is not service first. Yeah, we all want to serve God, but that's not the first thing. We can serve God, and he can be totally displeased with it. Like in Matthew 7, uh, 7, 15, Jesus said, In the last day, people are going to come to me, and they'll say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do miracles? Didn't we cast out demons? And he will say, Depart from me. I never knew you. Service is not what Jesus wants. In fact, not what he wants first. When we put our ministry first in life, we always end up with a defiled form of ministry. That's not what he wants. Not what he wants first. He Also, he does not want me to make my number one emphasis a better version of me. I spent years trying to, trying to make a better version of me to offer that up to God. And what I found out is when I make my number one goal a better version of me, I get a worse version of me. So what is it he really wants? John 15, 15, Jesus tells us uh, on the last night before the cross, he says to his apostles, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. A servant doesn't know his master's business, but now I'm going to make known the heart of ministry, the heart of life to you, and it starts with friendship with me. And that's what the prophetic ministry is. It is being so close to God that he can't keep secrets from us. Wow, that's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I sure hope you make it a priority to be here. Uh, I love the way Jack teaches. Uh, There's just such a a solid biblical and theological background in his life that you can just kind of like sense as he's talking, even though he's not like quoting the Bible every other verse. Uh, There's a foundation of truth that God's built into this guy over the years that uh, is really powerful. And then the whole prophetic thing and the whole idea that uh, everything is based upon intimacy. That's what it's all about is intimacy. And, uh, you know, when we, when we go the other route, we try to make ourselves acceptable to God. You know, I mean, really, what we're trying to do is impress God. Have you ever tried to impress God? Okay, the rest of you are liars. All right, I'm telling you right now, that's the truth, because we've all tried to impress God. There's, there's all, for all of us, there's been a moment where we've thought, boy, if, if, if I had just read my Bible every day this week, I'd be close, you know, God would like me better right now. There'd be more of his grace available to me. There'd be more presence of the Holy Spirit available to me. Or maybe you leave the house and you've had an argument with your husband or your wife and, and you go out of the house, going to work that day thinking, wow, this is going to be a lousy day because God is going to be mad at me all day long. You know, how am I ever going to get back into God's good favor now, you might have to get back into your wife's good favor. That might be something you have to think about. But uh, the, the idea that, uh, that we have to perform to impress God, I mean, that doesn't even work in human relationships. You know, it doesn't. 
because it's really, it's holding something out here saying, look at this and then like me. You know, look at this and approve of this and on the basis of that, like me. And really what we're doing is we're putting something out there away from the heart. It's not part of who we are. And even, even if the other person does approve of those things, it doesn't lead to any intimacy. And any intimacy that we think we're experiencing, it's a false intimacy. And, and there are times that we can feel good about relationships based on false intimacy. You know, uh, illustration, humor. There could be something serious two people need to talk about, and they need to talk about it because it's a core thing in their relationship, and they've got to deal with this issue. But instead, one of them makes a joke, and the other one laughs at that joke, and they get into the joke, and they both laugh and pat each other. I'm talking about guys here mainly, okay, ladies? Um, they both pat each other on the back, uh, talk about football, and go away feeling like, yeah, we're okay now. We're cool. You know, he's not mad at me. When really, haven't dealt with issues. And, and it's, just, it's, just, it's just out there. It's just, it's just external, and, and it's not really leading to anything of intimacy. And uh, yeah, the whole thing of intimacy, what we've got to realize is that this whole desire, this whole thought that we have, that we're born with and that, that uh, we're taught and that the world just reinforces, the, the whole thought of, I need to be adequate. I need to be good enough for other people to like me and for God to like me. I need to be, I need to be enough. That whole idea that I need to be enough, I mean, that makes us hide from each other. And then it's always shocking. I mean, and I know this all from personal experience. It's always shocking when there is some uh, revelation of real heart and the other people don't reject you when they find out you know, that you really aren't everything that you're pretending you are. And the, the thing that we, the, the mistake that we make, we extend that whole thing to God and we think that I, I have to do something to make him happy when the truth is he's already done everything that needs to be done and everything that can be done. He's already done it. And what, what we need to rest in is the work of Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just pay for our sins just so somewhere on a checklist there would be a mark put beside our names paid in full I mean, that happens, but it's more than that. He died to open up heaven. He died to break heaven open, not just so we can get in someday, but so, that, so heaven can pour into this world, so heaven can come and pour into our lives today. And what that starts with is him changing us inside so that I am the perfect friend for him. He changes me inside. Now, some of us might think, well, if I am going to be God's friend, then I'm a pretty lousy friend. Have you ever thought that? You know, I'm a pretty, not a very good friend. Sometimes when I think of people from my past and I think, oh, man, I've had, I haven't communicated with that person for years and they, we were good friends at one time. And I find it so easy then to think, man, I'm a pretty lousy friend. You ever think that? Anybody? Uh, well, when we take that and we kind of like transfer that whole, that whole thought process about ourselves to God, we need to realize that we're, we are the ideal friend. 
When Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves, I call you friends, he wasn't saying by the skin of your teeth. You know, you get to, you get to be part of the crowd, but you get to be part of the group that hangs out with me, but uh, you're going to be on the outer edge. You know, if there's, only, if there's only six places in the car and there are seven of us, you don't get to go. You know what I mean? He's, he's not, it, like some of us feel that way. Like if I'm his friend, then that's, that's what I am because that's what I deserve. And what we need to realize is that what we deserve is what Jesus has done for us. He, made, he changed things. So that not only am I created in God's image and have the ability to relate to God and to know God because of that, but the, the thing that blocked me from knowing God, my fallen, broken nature, has been changed. Jesus died on the cross not just to legally forgive you for sin, so you get out of punishment. He died on the cross to release his life to change us inside so that we become new. We become new people. We receive his righteousness. And so it's the life of Jesus in me. It's not me trying to live up to some standard or me trying to impress God. It's the life of Jesus in me. It's his righteousness. I have his righteousness. That is what makes me adequate. Is Jesus just adequate? Would you say that about Jesus? Yeah, he's, he's okay, you know, Jesus. You know, he's not quite as good as the Holy Spirit. Maybe a notch or two below God, but he's okay. He's adequate. Would you say that about Jesus? Then why would you say it about yourself? If you have opened your heart to Jesus, and, and that's, that's what faith is. That's how a person becomes a Christian. It's not, not just by mentally believing a, a set of things. I mean, you have to believe, you have to know who Jesus is and turn to him. But there's this thing that happens when we turn to him, and, and there's like this opening of our hearts when we turn to him in faith, and he comes in. And because of what he did on the cross, that old person that I was is just obliterated, gone. And Jesus creates me new. And then he fills up the new me with himself. Do you know the Holy Spirit is in you if you're a believer? You know that. How many of you know that? If you're a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. And we also talk about Jesus being in us. And Jesus said, if you open the door, I'll come and, and, I'll, and I'll be part of your life. Do you know Jesus was filled with the Spirit perfectly? You know that? The Bible says that uh, he came back from the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, full. And yet whatever Jesus did, he did it, was, it, it was a perfect thing. In fact, the Bible actually says about Jesus that God did not give him the Spirit in measure. You see, up to that point in time in this Old Testament period before Jesus died on the cross, before the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, people received a measure of the Holy Spirit. Uh, or he came on them for a certain task, for a certain period of time. And it wasn't a, they, they weren't changed to the way we are today. But now that Jesus died on the cross, the Holy Spirit has been poured out in, in his fullness. And yet the Bible says that before Jesus died, one of the characteristics of his ministry in his life was that the Holy Spirit was given to him without measure. Okay, you get that? And now he's in you. And so what does that mean? 
Think about that. If this helps, if this helps you, if this concept helps, he's perfectly filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, and he is in you. And so it's almost like you're double filled, you know. (laughs) Ever since Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's poured out in his fullness. Everyone who opens their hearts to Jesus, he comes in, he changes us, he gives us the righteousness of Christ. And he makes us just totally new and bright and beautiful and full of goodness and full of power and life and desires to honor God and really the power also to do it. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings that about and he, and he fills us with his presence and Jesus is in us and he is living in us. It says Christ in you is the hope of glory. And so someday Jesus is just going to bust out. When Jesus returns from heaven, then at that moment, the Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit, the new creation that we are, is just going to bust out. And the things we struggle with today are going to be over. And and the problems we face today as far as our our internal thought processes and habits and things that we're still breaking out of, those are just going to be burned away because Jesus is going to bust out in his completeness and in his fullness. Right now, the the whole thing is the renewing of the mind. It's us understanding these things. Because if I still think, yeah, you know, I, yeah, maybe Jesus on the cross makes me barely adequate. Maybe barely, you know, I might get into heaven, you know, just by the skin of my teeth. Or God might look at me and he might like me sometimes. If I have that attitude towards myself, then I'm, I'm not living based upon truth. I'm living based upon old thinking, upon lies from the enemy. And that's what has to change today. We have to understand who God is, what he's done in us, how he has made us, what, what it means to be a new creation, what it means to have the righteousness of Christ. I no longer stand in my own failures. And not just legally, but literally, I I no longer stand in my own past. I stand in Christ's righteousness. And he has changed me and made me not just adequate, but super abundantly everything I need to be to be friends with God. That's that's so crucial because when we start to break into that thinking, when, when we start to, then we begin to understand that, okay, I messed up, the, I messed up, I, I, God, you're right, that was wrong what I did, that was sin, thank you, Jesus, that you died for that, thank you that that's already paid for, thank you for that, and boy, Lord, I'm just looking for, for more, more deeper understanding to, uh, so I can walk free of this. Just more grace to see your truth, to see who I am, and to be alert at that moment. Holy Spirit, the next time I get in that situation, when, when I get to this point, then just step in and speak to me at that moment and remind me of that so that I can respond to that situation uh, out of your righteousness and who you've made me to be in this whole new person that I am. But it's, it's, it's the, the flaw of us thinking we have to make ourselves adequate that just creates, wreaks so much havoc in our lives, in our relationships. Listen, if I think I have to be adequate and then I'm going around constantly judging myself for being inadequate and I'm judging myself for every mistake I make thinking, oh boy, had the potential to really have an awesome moment with God today. That's gone now. 
I shouldn't have said that. You know, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have had that thought. If I, had, if I hadn't, then boy, God would really be close. If, if, when we think that way, then we're constantly judging ourselves. And I want to tell you something. The judging mechanism is hard to turn off. You know that. If I'm judging myself, then I'm judging you too. Okay, think about that. If I'm judging myself all the time, then you can bet I'm looking at you and I'm judging you too. Is that true? Anybody, is that true by your experience? Okay, I think that's true. And when I judge others, then it, it breaks down my relationship with them. And, and rather than serving them, I'm judging them. You know, rather than loving them and having a, a kind heart, a gracious heart towards them, I'm scowling at them and, 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 I'm, and I'm holding people at a distance. And then what, the, the other step that happens is I assume then that you're doing the same to me. Because even though I doubt myself, I also think I'm pretty good. You know, it's funny how it, we have the ability to do that. You know, at the, at the one hand, I think I'm the wisest person in the world, and on the other hand, in that wisdom, I see that I'm a, a lousy slug. You follow what I'm saying? Okay, so when you put those two things together, then, well, if I'm judging, and, and I'm, I'm really one of the best people around, then everybody else must be judging too. And it just destroys our relationship. So this whole thing of me understanding my acceptance through Christ and again, it goes beyond just a legal pardon. Okay, if you have that thought in your mind that, well, when Jesus died, now the judge is gonna, he's gonna be just ready to throw me into jail or give me the death sentence, and at the last second, he's gonna say, oh, no, wait a second, Jesus died for you, so you get to go free. It's not the way it works. The change that takes place in us, we have to come to grips with that and just Holy Spirit, show us more what that means, that I have been changed, renewed. I'm a new creation. I have the righteousness of Christ. You know, the Bible says that Jesus became sin for us, in other words, in our place, so that we could become, anyone know this verse? His righteousness. It doesn't say so we could have access to his righteousness. It says so we could become the righteousness of God. And again, you know, I'm not saying we don't sin. We do because we still think wrong. And, and, all, all, and, and right now it's the Holy Spirit changing our thinking that's bringing us into alignment with the thinking of Jesus that enables us then to walk in this life that Jesus has. Then turning away from things that Jesus doesn't want us to do, are, are not, that's not a problem. It's not like, well, I have to choose before, between this and Jesus. It's just... No, I understand Jesus has made me new. My heart's drawing me towards him. I'm going to go that way. And I, and I know I'm not going to get there perfectly, but I'm going that way. And, and it's my heart's inclining me and leading me that way. So, um, yeah, I, as I said, I just love Jack Deere. And that whole message, that, that was a part of the original book he wrote, um, Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. The last two chapters all talk about intimacy with God and not trying, to, not trying to earn it or build it yourself or impress God so you can have intimacy, but just realizing we have intimacy through Jesus. And yeah, yeah, you know, what? we're the perfect, we're the perfect friends for him. Uh, you, you know, when Jesus, uh, the night that Jesus was uh, betrayed and he's, uh, he's gonna be crucified the next day and he goes to the garden 
and it takes his apostles with him. He takes three of them, and they go off a little further, and he says, you guys stay here and pray. I'm going over here. He goes over there, and he comes back, and they're asleep. And he said, what? Couldn't you guys stay awake for an hour with me? Then he goes back a second time, and you know what happens that second time? An angel comes to him. Now, what would you rather have, three friends or an angel come to you to strengthen you? Huh? How many would go with the angel? Oh, yeah, of course, of course. But Jesus comes back that second time after this angel ministers to him, and he doesn't say, guys, it's okay, don't worry about it, I know you were asleep, I know you weren't praying for me, I know you're totally focused on yourselves right now, even though I'm going to go die for the sins of the world tomorrow, and it's going to be horrible, it's all right, because I had an angel come to me. He doesn't say that. He just says again, you're sleeping, Listen, I want to tell you, he longed for their intimacy with them. He longed for the strength they could give him more than the strength the angel could give him. Man, I'm, thank God for angels, okay? We're going to do a series on angels. I'm not sure how soon it will be, but sometime in 2016. And we are thankful for angels. They are ministering spirits. They come and they serve and they strengthen and they, they move through this place when we're worshiping and they release God's presence. And you know, I was thinking about that. Um, why is it that angels release God's presence? What about the Holy Spirit? Doesn't he just release God's presence? He's already here. So why would an angel coming and moving among us release something? Well, here's what came to me. I've been around human beings who were anointed with the presence of God. And when they prayed for me or when I walked into a place with them, I sensed that. I just sensed around this person there's just an anointing of the presence of God. And so if that can happen with a human being, why can't that happen with an angel who comes straight from heaven in God's presence? And somehow they come and, and, they, and they bring God's presence in this beautiful, powerful, wonderful way and just do all sorts of cool things that we don't even see. Most of us don't, don't even see happening. So thank you, Jesus, for angels. And Father, send them. Lord, uh, we, we pray you'd send angels to come and to, uh, to just bring worship into this place and stir worship and to, uh, to guard us from attack and, and to minister to us when we need it. We, we value that and ask you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And you know, the basis for that is Jesus said, don't you know I could have asked my father for 12 legions of angels and he would have sent them? You know that? And you know that what Jesus did, we get to do. And so if it was okay for Jesus to do that, then it's okay for us to do that. Not, not for us to like, yeah, so it's okay for us to do that and ask the father to send angels. But um, Jesus, as wonderful as angels are and as powerful and beautiful and glorious and the ministry they can bring, he still came back and he longed for the intimacy of relationship with his best friends. And so it's, it's really important to recognize that this is something God longs for, God desires God wants our friendship, and he wants us just to be in his presence, knowing we're accepted by him, and just receiving his love, and just receiving his love. So I I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, come and reveal the love of the Father. Come right now and just reveal more of the love of the Father to us. You know, one of the things I love about uh, this guy, Jack Deere, 
Lee was talking to him last week. And um, uh, Lee, stand up and wave at everybody, okay? This is Lee. She gets to talk to Jack Deere. She's organizing the conference from our end. And she was trying to, you know, to talk to him about the message he's going to give when he's here and what does he want to know about us and what can we help and, and on and on and PowerPoint and all of that. And uh, Jack said uh, uh, something like this, Lee, I'm paraphrasing you, but I think it's pretty close. He said something like, well, well, don't worry about that. When I get there, I'll just sense what we're supposed to do. You know, I'll come and I'll be in your church and I'll, I'll meet your people and I'll just sense, you know, what the message is supposed to be. And so, uh, well, okay, do you want PowerPoint? Do you want this? Do you want that? Nah, I don't use that. I don't like that stuff. I don't use that stuff. And so Lee says, well, uh, then that's okay because we, we like to fly by the seat of our pants around here. <laughs> and Jack says something to the effect of, that's awesome because that's how I like to do it too. So he's going to fit right in. But you know, that, um, that thought to fly by the seat of our pants, uh, that, that, you've heard that saying, haven't you? I mean, that's a common, common saying. But um, the last couple of weeks, I've shared some of our story as we've talked about this whole issue of choose the adventure. You know, you make the choice to say, okay, God, you're, I'm, you put a couple things in front of me. I'm going to take the adventure. I'm not going to take the safe one. I'm going to take the one that puts me out there where you've got to do something. I'm going to take the choice that puts me out there where if you don't work, I'm sunk. I'm in trouble, okay? So that's been the series. And I shared about a couple of friends, new folks here in our church that um, uh, a few years ago were living in Michigan and they felt that, that God was speaking to them about going out to California to the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And so they're wrestling with this, and that means they leave jobs, home, and, and, and everything. And, uh, and, and the wife was um, struggling with that, and, and Nancy said she was really worried that they would make the wrong choice. And you ever worry about that? Oh, I, want to make God's, I don't want to make the wrong choice and miss God's will. Uh, well, she was worried about that, and in, in the midst of that, God spoke to her. She was praying and said, you know, I love you. You know, I love you. And I'm going to bless you whether you stay here or whether you go. Either way, you're going to get blessed. I'm going to bless you whether you stay here or whether you go. And she said that when that really sunk in, that what she thought was, well, if that's the case, then I'm going to choose the adventure. No, those were her words. I'm going to choose the adventure. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to get out there in the place where I get to see God work, where I get to see God provide, where I get to see God do something I didn't think could happen, where, I, where I'm taking some risk. I'm going to choose that adventure. And so we've been talking about that the last couple of weeks. And I've shared some of our personal story with you, how we um, ended up in the vineyard and, um, and, and some of the risks that were involved in that. But... Um, after 20 years of pastoring in this section of the church that did not believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit or in any dynamic move of the Spirit, uh, after that period of time, we, uh, reading Jack Deere's book, came to this season where we transitioned into the gifts of the Spirit. And that meant I resigned the church I was at. And uh, we ended up at a conference in Kansas City, which I told you some about the last couple of weeks. How many of you were here last week? Okay, good. How many of you weren't? 
Okay, you, you are all forgiven one time. Yeah. You get one of those. So, um, so we're at Kansas City at this, at this vineyard conference, Holy Spirit, just powerfully moving all over the place. And out of the 2,000 people there, they, they had a luncheon for about 200 pastors. And so we're at this uh, pastor's luncheon, and um, room's packed. And after the meal, uh, one, of the, one of the leaders stood up and said, well, we're going to have some of the prophets uh, share now. And so all new to us, I mean, we've never seen a prophet share before, don't know what's going to happen. But this guy named Phil Elston stood up, and he pointed at uh, Lori and me, and we were kind of... Uh, in a back section of the room, and we can't imagine that he's pointing to us. And so we literally are turning around looking behind us thinking, who is he pointing at? And there, there's just a wall behind us. There was no one else there. We knew that, but still there's this impulse to think, oh, someone must have come, you know, stood behind us. But uh, then our friends say, no, he's talking to you. He's talking to you. Get up there. And so uh, we both went up. And the first thing he did was to speak to both of us about our personal lives and what we'd been experiencing and, and, and how God was working in us. And um, at least in those days, they called that reading your mail, okay? And if, like, think of it like this. If someone has access to your mail, they're going to know secrets about you. They're going to know how much you really spent for that flat, flat screen TV and, and you know, all, all the different things. And so he's just talking to us about what we've experienced And then he gave us this prophetic word. He said, I saw the two of you in a jet aircraft, and you were on an aircraft carrier, and you were being launched. And it goes on. It's an F-14. I'm in the front seat. Lori's in the back seat. And and what all that meant, and uh, that we're being launched, and we're, we're headed off into new things. And he has no idea that I have just resigned the church I'm pastoring, and that we have no idea where we're going to move next. And at that point in time, we went to this conference thinking, well, God's going to show us where to move at this conference. But we, we didn't know where we're going to move next. And so he gives us this powerful word about being launched out and God's presence was just so much in everything he said. Uh, and it, it, it just filled our hearts. It, it just it strengthened us and it, it, encouraged, it still encourages us today. And it still, it still blesses us. It keeps us going today. It really does. And that's what, that's what prophetic words do. Um, not all of them, but some of them do that. They, they give us a basis to launch off of. And we went home, and a week or two later, we went down and visited the Champagne Vineyard. And driving home that weekend, Lori and I just looked at each other and said, let's move there. And so we said, good, let's move there. And so realize, no job there, but we're going to move there. And we have four kids. The oldest was 14. Wilson at the time was, no, the oldest was 15. Wilson at the time was three. And, um, and so we go home and we're thinking, okay, we're moving to Champaign. God's on the move. This is awesome. We're going to take this risk. We're going to go for the adventure. And the next day, I get a phone call from another church. And I had been talking to this church for six or eight months, and uh, they had been waiting for a certain period before they were going to call their new pastor. And it was a beautiful church. It was just right. It was a church that was just on the cusp of, experience, of moving into the gifts of the Spirit, just like we were uh, in a, pl- a community we would have loved to live in. 
solid church, would have been an income. You know, money's important. It's not unimportant. All, these, all this stuff. And so they're saying, okay, uh, all right, we're ready for you now. We're ready to call you to come now. And so I said, okay, let me, let me call you back in a few minutes. And I went to Lori and just laid it out before her and said, okay, you know, the church from called, they're ready for us now. I said, it's a job. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be provision for the family and it's a job. And what, what do you think we should do? Because, you know, you can't do kind of this kind of stuff without the both spouses being in, in on it. And Lori said, well... She said, the way I look at it, we decided yesterday we were moving to Champaign, and there's no reason for us to reconsider that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I respect her so much for that. And, um, but I want to tell you that prophetic word we got was a big part of strengthening our hearts so we could do that. It was a big part of us being able to say, yeah, you know what? We're going to put it out there. We're going to step out into a realm where, you know, where God shows up, you know, where, where God works. And that's the whole call of this series. And I want to say, wherever you are, you might be ready to, you, you might be, God might have been working in your life so that you're in the same position we were in or a similar position, and you're ready to take that big jump. Or the big jump for you might be talking to your waitress when you have lunch today and, and blessing her and speaking a prophetic word to her. But wherever it is, choose the adventure. Choose the adventure. Go for it because you'll see God work. You'll see God move. You'll experience him more fully and intimately in your life. And th- th- do you know why God likes it when people choose the adventure? When people step out, uh, anybody, why? Anybody want to answer that? Faith. Pardon me? Faith. Okay, faith, dependency. Uh, all right, he can show his power. You know, that's where I was starting in this. Those are all right, but he can show his power. In Second Chronicles 16, 9, which is just one of my favorite verses, it says, the eyes of the Lord are constantly searching the entire earth so that he can show his mighty power on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Okay, God loves to show his power. He's looking. It's like God's in heaven, and he's just constantly just looking, watching. Oh, there's one. Look at that. Look at the risk they're taking. Man, I'm going to bless that. I'm going re- to bless that, and if I don't know if he sends angels or if it's just, you know, the Holy Spirit's blessing right there. Power. And, and validate those people's faith. Let everybody see it. Let everybody understand that they're trusting the living God. And we're, and we're going to show the world our love and our power, my love and power through them. That's what he loves to do. And so he's looking for that. And don't you want to be one of those people? I mean, isn't there something deep in your heart that says, all right, I might not be ready to move to Russia or to um, you know, somewhere, but... I want to fall into that category. I want to be one of those people that right here in my realm, right now, in the area of influence God's given me, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to choose the adventure. I'm going to step out. I'm going to, I'm going to understand this whole prophetic thing better, and I'm going to en- enter in. And so it, it is. And you can't do that if you don't understand God's goodness. And so God's goodness fits into the whole thing. 
and the confidence that God loves us. And he care, Romans 2.4 says, don't you see that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? And so God's kindness, God's goodness, God's love, God's mercy, that's, that's, what, that's what leads people to turn around and turn from walking the wrong direction to turning to God. Listen, if I picture an angry God standing right here, ready to judge my sin, and I'm over there going the other direction, and he's standing here with a hammer or a baseball bat, and it's just all he can do to keep from whacking me. I mean, he's so angry with my sin, and, and that's who he is. And I'm standing over here, and I'm going this direction. Why would I turn around and here, have at it? Does that make sense? It's because I know that he's standing here with mercy and love and compassion. And the Bible says he has already reconciled himself to us. He's already reconciled himself to us through the cross of Christ. That means he just stands there saying, hey, love you. I, I want relationship with you. And so that, that's, that's what makes it possible for people to turn around and, and say, Father, and, and to walk into his arms because he's good and he's loving and he's compassionate and he's merciful. He's faithful. And those are the same things that make it possible for us as followers of Christ to choose that adventure and to step into it because we know he's good and he's loving and he's compassionate and he's faithful and he's gonna fulfill and he wants to bless our lives. Yeah, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. That's just describing God's heart. That's who he is. That's who he is. And so uh, take a moment right now and ask yourself, where, where is the risk for you? Where's the adventure? You know, w- w- what choices are you making that would, you'd be able to say, I'm choosing the adventure. Man, I'm choosing the adventure. I'm not going to be content. I'm not going to be content with the status quo. I'm not going to be content just to play it safe, just to live out a nice whatever type of soapy, nerfy life I have. I'm going to step out. I'm going to step out. Where's the edge for you? It could be different places. You know what it could be? It could be apologizing to your spouse. It could be saying, I've hurt you for years, and I'm sorry. It could be that. It could be holding one of your kids accountable in a loving, gentle way. It could be just saying, you know, no, no, you can't. You can't do that. I'm just going to trust God with this relationship with you. Not, not packed with emotion and bitterness and, and, and condemnation, but it could be just beginning to relate to your children in a healthier way. You know, I think for all of us, we, we connect with other people all the time. And just to look at somebody and to say to them, you know, I think God wants you to know. And then say what comes to your mind. What good, encouraging blessing comes to your mind. Try that with your waitress. Try that with your next door neighbor. You know, try that with a friend. Try that with someone before you leave here. Try that right now with the person beside you, okay? Turn to the person beside you and say, you know, I think God wants you to know. And then 
he, how much he loves you. I think he wants you to know that he sees your heart and he's so pleased with your heart. I think he wants you to know that he's got it covered. He's with you. He's going to carry you. Is it too much to do that right now? Let's vote. How many want to do that? Okay, okay. Wow, a few people voted with me. Let's do it, okay? Try that. Try that. This is a safe place. It's just you can say it to somebody you know if you want to. Yeah, I think God wants you to know. By the way, it's okay if you, if you don't do this right now, too. That's just perfectly fine. Okay. All right, you know what? God's eye just saw you do that. And, he, and, and he, he's right there. He said, wow, I see that. I see that risk that was just taken, and I'm going to respond to that. I'm going to release my power, and I'm going to use you. So, um, hey, we're going to go into worship and just have a great time worshiping today. So the worship team is going to start to come out right now. Um, but uh, we're also going to have communion today. And, and I just want to just give you this word about communion. <laughs> This is something that we do, a tangible way that we recognize and worship Jesus. And it's the, the little cracker, Jesus said, that represents his body. Okay, Jesus had a body. You have a body, don't you? I have a body. We do. Jesus had a body. And you know what Jesus did? He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put my body where yours belongs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my body in your place. And he hung on the cross for us. And Jesus had blood. And blood is the life. Blood carries life throughout us. And Jesus said, I'm going to shed my blood for you. And, and I'm going to do that so that you can have life. And when we, when we come to this, we are saying, Jesus, I need you more than ever. I need you entirely. You are everything. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving me life. And so it's just this tangible way we worship and, and honor him. If you're a believer, you're welcome to participate. Those, the servers can go get ready right now, okay? There'll be serving positions here in the front and in the back. And uh, God's just as present in the back as he is in the front. I think, I think he is. Uh, except for worship, then we like to come to the front to worship. But, uh, um, Father, thank you. Uh, we, we honor you. We love you. We want to go into this time of worship just to, just to open our hearts to you and to take a, a greater step of intimacy into intimate relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.